Well, hey, good morning again, church. I already asked this once. Y'all doing okay? Doing all right? Fantastic. Well, hey, at this time, I believe it is uh, time for the little people to run away. So if you are K3 through kindergarten, is that right? You guys are dismissed to Children's Church. And if you guys did not get an outline in your bulletin, go ahead and shoot your hand up really, really quickly. If you did not get an outline, perfect. None of y'all had an outline because there is no outline, but you responded to me with their hand up. So that means y'all ain't going to fall asleep. When I ask you questions, you'll talk back to me. We can have a conversation. I know y'all ain't just there, you know, falling asleep or worse off. That would just not be good. So there is no outline. There is an outline, but there is no outline for you guys. So if you want, you can grab your connect card. You can grab the little blue sheet of paper. That's fine. Whatever you guys want to do. But hey, let me ask you guys a question just to get started. How many of y'all want the good life? You know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all want the good life? I'm talking where you have no worries, where people love you for you, that you're healthy and you're beautiful and you're gorgeous and your family is healthy and you got no financial responsibilities. You can just sit in comfort. You can grow old. You can hang out with your family. Y'all want that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't want that yet because I'm still young. I don't want to get old yet, but, you know, I'm trying to hang in there. But everybody wants the good life. We all want to be somebody We all want everyone to love us. We want people to be kind to us. We want to have no financial debt. We want to have no worries. We want to have the comforts of life. We want to basically, we want to basically live the dream. You know, we know this is a fact because whenever you look at Google, you can go hit up the Google, you can type up self-help, how to be a better you, whatever you want to title. And you know, there'll be thousands and thousands of articles that will show up. Or if you just walk into Barnes & Noble or you can go on Amazon, just look up the, some of the best-selling books that there are right now besides the fiction ones. A lot of them are, how do you be a better you? How do you have better habits? How can you live life to the fullest? And my favorite, how you can be all that you can be. You see that all the time. You know, in articles and inside of magazines, inside of newspapers, there used to be like, you know, little health and wellness sections or something like that. But now we have entire complete just magazines that are con- completely contributed to men's health, men's fitness, women's fitness, kid fitness, baby fitness, mom fitness, overweight fitness. If you're already fit, how to become more fit. I mean, we all want to live the dream even if we think we are all already living it. Well, hey, just a little bit of time ago, Time Magazine, you guys all know what Time Magazine is? One of the biggest magazines, I think one of the longest running magazines right now in America. They came out with this whole new report of how to basically be satisfied in life. And the title of this article was entitled, How to Be More Satisfied with Your Life, Five Steps Proven by Research. So, and in this article, the author breaks down the five steps, and these are the five steps. Step number one is have close friends. They say about 10, 10 is a good number. 10 is the perfect number of friends. If he has Jesus, he'll probably say 12. But in this article, he says 10. Another thing is have goals in life, and not just goals, but actually have attainable goals as well. Another one is to actually have a life story that you share with people. Another one is give your life meaning rather than simply trying to be rich. And the last one they say is continually grow and continually learn. And honestly, if you would ask me, this is a pretty good list, don't you think? I would think this is a pretty good list. Yeah, you should have friends. You should have relationships. You should be growing closer to each other. That's, that's the beauty of the church. We can come together. We can form communities. We can form friendships. We can form groups. We can form bonds because relationships are a good thing. It's also good to have goals and accomplish them because if not, you'll just be sitting around watching Netflix and eating Cheetos all day long if you don't have goals. And that's That's not good for you. You should share your stories with others and encourage them and lift them up. I'm a big proponent of this. God gave you a story, so go tell it to somebody. 
You should rather give than rather than having. And you should strive to know more, read more books, grow in your knowledge, grow in your understanding. But what happens when these aren't enough? What happens when your friends aren't enough? What happens if you have goals and those don't come through? What happens if you learn, 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 but nothing ever happens? What happens when these don't give you the fulfilled life and you're not satisfied? What do you do then? You know, there's a guy by the name of Brian Welch. Some of you guys might know him as Brian Head Welch. He, he started the band Corn back in the day, lead guitarist for him. Actually, I think he's back with Corn actually, right now. But in case you guys didn't know who the band Corn was, they started back in the early 90s. Yes, when I was born. They started back in the early 90s, and they were one of the biggest bands ever. And, and, and they're in a sub-rock genre. They actually created their entire own genre of rock and rock and roll with metal and grunge. It's, it was just, I mean, it took it by storm. So much so that they sold over, if I get the number right, make sure I don't mess this up, 60 million albums worldwide. They've won two Grammys, and they've rocked the Billboard 100 playlist almost with every CD that they come out. Korn was huge, and Brian Welch, who was the lead guitarist, was one of the biggest personalities on the scene. You know, if you would ask me, and if you would ask Brian, he probably had the life. You know, he was living the dream. He was traveling the world, making music with his best friends. You know, he had goals, and not only did he have goals, but he kicked those goals in the butt and then even made bigger goals and bigger plans and had bigger success. He had a crazy awesome story from literally going from zero to hero, and ultimately he, got, he gained in his knowledge of music. Their music evolved, their music changed, it got better and better and better. But did that satisfy him? You know, he actually is a Christian right now, and someone asked him, hey, what was it like being with corn. What was it like traveling the world? This is the quote that he said right before he became a Christian. He said, when corn would be out partying, I would be sitting alone in the tour bus wanting to die. When corn would be out partying, I would sit alone in the tour bus all by myself wanting to die. Here's the man who had it all. He was living the dream. He was doing what all of us think would be absolutely awesome, but his soul was searching for something. He wasn't complete. His life was empty. You know, this man turned to hard drugs, nothing there. He turned to alcohol, ain't nothing there. The dude even had a wife and kids, and still, that didn't fulfill him at all. And you know what? Maybe this is you. Maybe you've come to church today, whether you believe or not, and you say, you know what? I, I, I just don't know what to do anymore. My life has no meaning. My life has no purpose. I don't know what to do. I don't even want to wake up. I don't want to go to work. I don't even want to look at my wife. I don't even want to look at my husband anymore. I just don't know what to do. And for that, I want to say I'm sorry. (laughs) That's awful. I wish you didn't feel that way. But I have good news as well. And the good news can be found in your Bibles in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them suckers out. Go to the Gospel of John, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 6. If you don't have your Bibles with you, though, there is a Bible either right under your seat or in the pew in front of you. And to make life really, really easy for you, it's page 614. There you go, page 614. And if that's not even good enough for you, I already got my big jumbo Bible up here. I'm behind the screen. Show me as well. And y'all can't see it, but that little hashtag, if y'all want hip social media, hashtag bread of life, baby. That's what we're doing today. So we're going to be reading the Gospel of John, John chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 25 through 35, and then we're going to knock out the rest of the chapter as we go along. So if you have your Bibles, pull them out, or feel free to follow along on the screen behind me. Pick it up in verse 25, it says, When they found him, when they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, I assure you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. 
Don't work for food that perishes, but for food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. What can we do to perform works? Uh, what can we do to perform the works of God? They asked. And Jesus replies, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one he has sent. What are the signs are you going to do so that way we may see and actually believe you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. Just as it is written, he, God, gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give, them the, give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus said to them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Now, before we jump into this passage, though, there's a lot of background that we need to kind of talk about before we get into this text. Because let's just be honest, I, I joke about this all the time, but no one likes to jump in the middle of the movie and be like, hey, what's going on? And then you got to spend two hours to catch them up on the last 20 minutes. We don't like doing that. Nobody likes to open up to chapter 15 of a 30, 30 chapter book. We don't want to do that either here with the Bible. So we're going to start back where this narrative actually begins in John chapter 6, verse 1, where Jesus does one of his most amazing miracles he has ever done. In fact, it's probably one of his most popular miracles ever, where with five loaves and two fish, Jesus feeds 5,000 dudes, not counting the women and children. You know, the people were listening to Jesus. They were listening to a teaching. It was time to eat, and Jesus just keep, he was going. He was just talking. He was a Baptist. What do we know? He just keeps on talking and talking and talking. You never go home and get lunch. We know how that goes down. I hopefully won't do that to you today. But he was teaching. The disciples were like, Jesus, these people are hungry. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have enough money to feed them. That would cost so much money. We know we ain't got the budget to do that. So Jesus said, don't worry about it. Disciples went. They found a little kid who had five loaves and two fish. They brought to Jesus, and Jesus fed all those people with, you guessed it, the five loaves and the two fish. We filled them up, sent them on their way, and then Jesus actually said that he withdrew from the crowds. He pulled himself away from the crowds, and he, even from his disciples alone, went all alone. When the night came, the disciples decided that they were going to cross the sea and go over across the Sea of Capernaum back to where they first came before Jesus went and taught the people. So they went and they were going on their way down the sea. But a storm came up. The storm was so sinking big that the experienced fishermen that they were, they were terrified. I mean, Peter, the guy with the big mouth and, and you know, the nets, he was doing, he was the fisherman. He was terrified from this storm. But in the middle of the storm, Jesus actually went out to the boat. He didn't swim. He didn't take a boat. He actually walked on water, man. He walked on water and went into the boat. The second he got into the boat, they crossed over to the other side. And then all of a sudden, the crowds the next morning go, where'd Jesus go? The disciples are gone. Jesus is gone. Let's go find Jesus. And that's what they set off to do. And that's where we pick up in our text. And when the people finally find Jesus, what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't give them a big old hug and he goes, hey, welcome back. I'm glad you came back to listen to the story time with Jesus. He did not say that one bit. What did Jesus say? In fact, he didn't just say it. He rebuked them. Jesus, picking up in verse 26 again, it says, you don't want to see me because you follow me. You simply want me to give you food again. You simply want me to feed you. But don't work for food. That fails for only for a time. But instead, strive for what brings eternal life. And then they ask the question that most people ask, and they go, hey, Jesus, what can we do to do that? What can we accomplish? What work can we do to do the work of God. And Jesus replies that it's not the work, but they must believe in the one who God sends. And then it gets really fun. The people say, all right, Jesus, prove it. God, you know, well, Moses gave us, um, Moses gave us bread in the wilderness called manna. He did that. What are you going to do? 
Jesus puts it back in their face and again and goes, you know what? Moses didn't give you any food. In fact, God gave you food. And, multi- and actually, God gave them food, but ultimately he's going to give you food that lasts for forever. And then they go, Jesus, we want to have that bread forever. And Jesus said the words that we all know, I am the bread of life. So today we're going to be talking about this idea of, of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. What does it mean that Jesus is the bread of life? And in order to do this, we're actually going to answer two questions. We're going to answer two questions today in regards to it that the people actually asked. The first question is, is what? What does it mean that Jesus is the bread of life? Second question that we're going to ask is, is how? How do we partake in this bread of life? So whether Jesus is the bread of life or not, how do we partake in it? So we're going to answer those two questions today. So jumping in the first question of what. What does it mean that Jesus is the bread of life? The easiest way to do this is actually kind of do a compare contrast because Jesus said he's the bread of life versus bread. So we're going to compare bread to Jesus to see exactly what he means. So if you are taking notes, the first thing that we see is, is that bread, make sure I get this right, that bread satisfies for a time but Jesus satisfies for forever. Bread satisfies for time, but Jesus satisfies for forever. We've already read the passage where this comes from, but in verses 26 through 27, Jesus tells the people that it is absolutely pointless to live a life where you're only trying to, you know, eat what only lasts for, for right now. Jesus says bread won't last for forever. And honestly, we know this truth, don't we? How many of y'all love uh, Chinese? Some Chinese buffet, some New China, some Orient Express. What's up? My wife shot her hand up because we love ourselves some New China, man. You know, if we had Chick-fil-A for breakfast, New China for lunch, Chipotle for dinner, I'd be a happy but fat but broke man. But that'd be awesome. So we love New China. We love going to buffets. We love going to these places. But what's the problem with, <laughs> what's the problem with Chinese buffets? We all know what it is. You can eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Go get some ice cream. Go eat and eat and eat and eat. And then two hours later, what happens? You hungry all over again. We know it. It kind of stinks because, you know, you only dropped 15 bucks for a buffet. That only lasted two hours. But we know that food doesn't satisfy for forever. And in fact, these people understood that too. These people knew that food doesn't last for forever. How do we know that? Well, they yesterday, and then they went back to Jesus to go get more food. This is something that we all completely understand. But Jesus isn't content with simply filling up the people with food. He wants to do so much more. And you know, so many of us try to do the same thing. We try to fill our lives with so many different things, not just food included, but we try to fill our lives with people, experiences, and just stuff. You know, we try to fill our lives with people. We want to have the best friends, the most followers. We're addicted to the heart button on Instagram. We're addicted to the like button. Well, the like and the tear and the angry and the happy face on Facebook. You can't just call it the like button anymore. But we're addicted to those types of things. You know, we want to have the best boyfriend. We want to have the best girlfriend. We want them to be beautiful and hot and all this other different stuff. We want the best fiance in the world, the sweetest fiance in the world. We want the best wife. We want the best husband. We want the best boss. We want the best pastor. Pastor, you rock when you listen to this later, by the way. We want the best political candidate. We want all of these different people in our lives But how many times have people hurt you? How many times have people, honestly, they screwed you over? They've stabbed you in the back? They've hurt you? They've disappointed you? They've forgotten you? People don't satisfy. What about experiences? Some people like to go on vacations and cruises and just get away. We like the need for speed. We like, you know, cliff diving. If you're Pastor Brendan, you like to combine cliff diving with the need for speed into one not-so-happy day. He knows what I'm talking about. We love experiences. We love food, we love culture, 
I love experience as well. But what happens? How many of you guys, after you just get back from vacation, you sit on the couch and you go, baby, we don't ever need to go on vacation ever again. I'm cool. We don't need to go to Florida again. We don't need to go to Disney. We don't need to go up to the cottage. We don't need to go to the lake. I'm cool. One vacation is all I ever need. One cruise is all I ever need. Does anybody really say that? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. Does anybody really say that? No, especially if you just came back from Florida and you're like, this weather is no, no, no. Mm-mm. Y'all want to go back to Florida because you understand experiences don't last. Stuff doesn't last either. We want the newest phone. We want the newest gadget, the newest tablet, the newest car, the newest clothes, more money, better business. We want to fill our lives with stuff. But you ask any billionaire in the world, how much money is enough money? More. You ask the Villanova, they just won the men's basketball championship, which is awesome because I hate North Carolina right now because they destroyed Notre Dame all, all season. But you ask Villanova at the beginning of next season, hey, y'all cool going like 0-32 and not trying to win another championship again? Y'all won it last year. You don't need another one, right? They ain't going to say that. Stuff doesn't last. People disappoint us. Experiences disappear and stuff doesn't last. You know, the newest iPhone will always come out and it might not even be that much better than the old one. Newer car will come out. It'll have more luxurious features and better seats and better whatever, climate control, whatever. Bigger, smarter, badder TVs will come out. We know that, but stuff doesn't last. People don't last. Well, people do last, I guess, but they hurt us. They disappoint us. Experiences, they'll disappear, and we want more experiences. We want all of this stuff. But what are you supposed to do when this stuff fades, disappears, and disappoints? What are you going to do? Jesus says that he's the bread of life and that he will satisfy every longing you can ever desire. He is the bread of life. But not only does Jesus satisfy forever where bread cannot, but also bread provides temporary life for those who eat, whereas Jesus provides eternal life for everybody who eats. You know, we already know this one fact, but when winter storms come, what happened at Meijer? What happens at Walmart? What goes first? Bread, the milk, and the toilet paper. We all know that's what's going down. Which, by the way, if, if I'm going down, I am not eating bread and milk for my last meal. No. Mm-mm. No, I'm having some sweet and sour chicken, some pork and rice, some big old T-bone steak. Like, I'm going out in a blaze of awesome food. Not soggy bread and gross milk. And I don't know what to do with toilet paper to eat. That ain't going to go down pretty easy. But we know that kind of stuff. Why do people do this? Why when winter storms comes and the winter apocalypse shows up? Why do we buy bread? Why do we get milk? Because it provides life. You know, you can last a really long time on milk and bread. We understand that. And honestly, even the people understood that during this time. You know why? They're still kicking. They ain't dead. They had bread. They woke up. Bread gave them life. We understand that bread can satisfy us for a time. But does it always? Will it always satisfy or will it eventually disappear? You know, we've already talked about this. But bread can't last forever. It will run out. And when the bread runs out, your time on earth runs out too. Why? Because eating bread one time will never let you live forever. Jesus says that if you truly want to have eternal life, don't go to the things of the world, but go to the bread of life. Jesus says that he was in the beginning when the world was created, and in fact, Jesus is going to be in the end when all things are made new again. You know, I don't know what that's going to be like. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I don't know what paradise is going to be like. I don't know what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back and 
make all things new. I can promise you that it ain't going to just be fluffy clouds and chubby bunnies like Michelangelo and you know Precious Moments like to tell us. But I don't know what heaven is going to be like. I know it's going to be awesome. I know we're going to be worshiping God. I know we're going to be extension of what we do on earth. So hey, maybe I can play some one-on-one with Moses or get in a foot race with Elijah or you know maybe you know, see who can you know knock down the most buildings with Joshua. I don't know. It's, it's my dream. Don't be hating on my dream, man. But I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I know it's going to be better. I know it's going to be awesome. God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and we're going to be living with God forever. But how do you get there? In verse 47 and 48, we didn't read this, but Jesus says that whoever believes in him, he'll have eternal life. Why? Because he's the bread of life. In fact, he's the only bread of life that can bring salvation. So here's the question. How? This is how Jesus is the bread of life, but how do we partake of this bread? Like, I mean, do we eat it or something? Because that's kind of nasty. I don't want to eat Jesus. Like, that's just weird. Good part is that Jesus tells us what to do in verses 34. We're going to read 34 through 40 here. Picking up in John 6, 34, it says, Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus told them, I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those that he has given to me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of the Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. On the last day. Now, let me say this. This text has a lot of controversy in it. In fact, this one passage alone has divided the evangelical church from basically almost forever. I just finished reading a book about the entire, entire um, what's the word I'm looking for? How, how denominations came to be in America. This is one of the problems, and this is one of the issues of why we have a bazillion denominations. It's the fact of, does God pick people who are going to be saved? Does, 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 God, does, does God like go, you're going to be in my family, but nope you go away. Does he do that? Or does man decide if they want to go to God or not? You know, this is a really tough issue. And honestly, we don't have a whole lot of time to go into this. But just so you guys know, theology I love. I love chatting about this stuff. So if you want to take me out for coffee, I'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you about this. But I'm going to answer it for you simply. Does God pick and choose who he wants to be Christians? Or do people choose if they want to follow God? Yes. Yes. Why? Because Jesus said, whoever the Father gives me, they're going to be with me. So yeah, God does. But at the same time, what does Jesus say? Whosoever wants to come can come and hang out with me and be with me. And not just that, but Jesus says that if you want to have the bread of life, you simply come to me. All you have to do is simply go to Jesus. Now Jesus promises that if you go to him, you'll never be thirsty will never be hungry. Physically, well, you know, maybe. I, I know some people who are legitimately like Tommy and Gina. They're living on a prayer, man. They don't know where food's going to come. They don't know how it's going to show up. They don't know what's going to happen. They're living the Bon Jovi song. They really are. And you know what? God does provide. God does take care of those people. He will provide in so many miraculous ways. And in fact, Nicole and I are living testimony of that. How we've made it this far we don't know. We're just doing what we do, and that's just what happens. And God blesses us, and we're thankful for that. Now, do we drive around a, a Ducati and a Lamborghini? That would be awesome, but no. No, no, we don't. But God does provide for us. But Jesus is talking more so not about your physical needs, but your deepest desires and your deepest longings. Your desire for love, your desire for acceptance, 
your desire for peace, your desire for hope, your desire for joy, your desire for happiness, and ultimately your desire for purpose. Jesus wants to fulfill those deepest desires, and Jesus will give these to you. All you have to do is go to the bread of life. Like Jesus says, if you believe in me, I will give you life. And with that, you can be sure that Jesus will never let you go. He'll never forget you because you're his bride and he loves you and he ain't never going to let you go. You want to have eternal life? Do you want to have purpose? Go to the bread of life. Is your life empty? Go to Jesus and he'll fill it. Are you carrying a burden and you don't think you can physically go on anymore? Go to Jesus and he'll give you rest. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, Mark, I mean, that sounds cool. That sounds awesome. But there's so many religions out there. What do I do? Are there more ways to get to heaven? Are there more ways to get to this bread of life? You know, Jesus answers that, for that, that little question between verses 30, 53, I'm sorry, and 58. And here's what he says in brief. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will never have eternal life. Now, is Jesus talking about cannibalism here? Like, I'm just being honest here. I'm just trying to be real. Is he talking about cannibalism where, you know, okay, you actually got to eat Jesus and you got to drink Jesus and you're going to have eternal life. I'm not trying to be crude. It's what it says. Is that what it's talking about? Some churches say yes. Some churches will say that unless you participate in, in his body and his blood at the Eucharist, Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, unless you partake of the Lord's body and his blood, you'll never fully receive the grace that God has to offer for you. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. You know why? Because for one, it's cannibalism. God says, no, it's frowned upon. Don't do that. Mm-mm. Nope, that's awful. In fact, Jesus is up with heaven right now, with God, ruling and reigning on the right hand of God. How on earth can you eat the body and blood of Jesus when he's like somewhere and we're like here? Like, that just doesn't, just doesn't work. And we see so many other passages of scripture where that's not what Jesus is talking about at all. It's a hard truth, and it's a hard thing to get past. But what is Jesus actually talking about? If he's not physically talking about eating and drinking, what is he talking about then? Jesus is saying that those, um, I'm sorry, Jesus is saying that you must believe in who he is and what he did and what he's going to do. In other words, you must believe that Jesus is God, not, not a created being, not just some little dude. He's God. You must believe that he came to earth as a man, lived perfect, and he died on the cross for your sins. He says he paid, he paid the penalty for your sin, but more than just paying the penalty, he actually brought man in a place where shalom can happen again, where you can have peace with God, where, the, where the, 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 um, God and man were separated because of the fall. Because of what Jesus did, we can be united with God again. We have to believe that Jesus did that. We have to believe that Jesus will one day come back. He'll make all things new, and he will rule and reign, and we'll be right there by his side. That's what Jesus says. That's what he's saying. You have to partake in what he is doing and believe in him. You know, it gets kind of, kind of interesting when you get to that point, but this is where it comes into play for a lot of us who have accepted the bread of life. You know, a lot of people say, I've accepted the bread, you know, I've eaten, I'm cool, whatever. But how many of us actually live every day eating the bread of life, partaking in the bread of life, letting the bread of life fulfill us and satisfy us? You know, we've already talked about it, but a lot of us fill our stuff with a whole lot of junk, with stuff and people and experiences and places and things and hobbies and sports and TV and whatever we want to fill our lives with. But will that stuff last? No. It's going to fade away. A new iPhone will come out. Your stuff will be outdated. You'll want more. It's going to disappear. It's going to break. The experience is going to be forgotten. You'll forget about it. People are going to, you know, just completely forget about you. They'll kick you to the curb. They won't care about you. What are you going to do when that happens? 
Are you going to go with the bread of life? Is your life going to crumble before your eyes? Is your life going to be an utter, utter, just, just a mess, a pile of just awfulness because you don't know what to do with your life? Or are you partaking in the bread of life every single day? Are you letting him satisfy all of your needs? You know, many people are going to ask, why? Why should I do this? We ask, what? We've answered how, but a lot of people will also ask, why? Why should I do this? Why should I believe and follow Jesus? And you know, I gave you some reasons, but before we go, I want you to hear a story. And not just hear a story, I want you to actually see a story of a young man who was legitimately living the dream. He was doing what he wanted to do, where he wanted to do it, and he was getting everything he ever wanted. But all that came to a pause on one night, and he had a decision that he had to make. Go ahead and show the video, guys. You know, dreams can, uh, dreams can become reality in a city. Nobody that's telling you what you can and what you can't do and there's an endless amount of opportunity. I soon got a job in fashion. It was amazing, the energy and the vibe in the shops. Knowing fashion and, and wearing the latest new gear or whatever made me feel like a, like a million bucks. <laughs> I had the girls, I had the, the parties, I had the friends. And like with everything else, like working in fashion, you, you wear a pair of jeans for like a week or something like that. It's all consumables and I was in this fast-paced lifestyle that was kind of eating everything that I got close to. Whenever I was on my own, everything would kind of stop and everything would hit me. I didn't know what I did the weekend, if I'd done something stupid or what I'd done to people. So I got more and more scared of, of being alone or standing still. I would usually just try to watch TV or something to, to keep that momentum going. When headphones in my ear, having it so loud that I couldn't hear my thoughts or something. Max out my credit card with high, even harder, try to be even funnier, do even more stupid stuff with girls that would consume even more. And I'd racked up some, some debt because of this, like an open, gaping hole inside of my heart that was just like really like tense and I didn't care about anything anymore because I was hurting so badly. This one day, I, all of this met me at the same time. And then I found myself in the train station. Every relationship and every everything was fully, fully, fully maxed out. There was nothing left. And the thought cropped into my mind. I was like, I don't think anybody actually will care if I would jump now. Walked over to where the trains were and... Uh, I was contemplating and getting ready to finish it all and end it. And in that moment I felt my phone vibrating. And I saw it was my mum. Every single time that something was wrong, she would always ring at the perfect time. And uh, two hours later I was on, on a plane to England. When I, uh, when I came back to my parents, I knew what to expect. My mom and dad had a faith and they believed in God and they were gonna try to convince me of this thing. I thought, you know, I'll just go there, 
get some money together and then I'll go straight back to the city. One night I couldn't fall asleep. I was just rolling around in my bed and in an instant I felt God come into come into my room. I know I know it's it's a bit of a strange thing to say, but I was so sure. I've never been so sure about anything in my life that uh, it was God that came into my room and asked, you know, come on, boy. It's now or never, like a strict dad would. I, I was still fighting that thing, and I said, you know what? I don't care, mate, what you ever say. I'm not coming back. I don't want to do this. And uh, he asked me a question. He said, so what have you got? I said, you know what? If you can take this little thing that I've got, that's called Isaac's life, if you can make something out of it, because I can't, then um, I'll give you everything. Because I don't know how, how this works. I can't do it anymore by myself. And it was in that moment that I felt that I was no longer alone, and he said, okay. And I had hope to meet my problems, meet the things that I'd messed up. And that makes me be able to wake up in the morning and fight another thing, fight things from my past that I could never look in the eye, look at fear that I was so afraid of. And the best thing about it is I've never, ever had this little... I moved out when I was 16, moved back in when I was 24. I have got no money, no nothing at all. Uh, I live with my family, with my little sisters and everything, and I have never, ever been this happy. He's like that perfect father that none of us ever had. He's right there with you, and he will never let go of you. So what will... What will you do when your life comes crashing down? <laughs> you know, you talk with Brian, Brian Welsh, he has an amazing testimony. He thought he had the life, he thought he was living the dream, he thought his life was going to be satisfied. But it wasn't. <clears throat> this young fashion designer as well, he was living the dream, he thought his life was satisfied, but it was empty as well. What about you? That's the question. You know, they were never satisfied until they met Jesus. Here's the question that Jesus is asking you today. Will you come to me? Will you stop trying to fill your life with all this just junk and garbage and, and experiences and stuff? Will you just fill it with me? You know, if you want to more, know more about this Jesus and what he's done for me, what he's done for Pastor Brendan, what he's done for so many people in this church, we'll give you a little bit here and a little, we'll give you time here in a second to do that. But for those of us who honestly, you know, follow Jesus, who don't follow Jesus, whatever, I have an assignment for you guys, okay? So grab a sheet of paper real quick. Grab a sheet of paper really, 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 really quick. Grab a sheet of paper. Or grab your phone. Your phone works too. Your phone works awesome as well. And on that sheet of paper, on that phone, I'm give you a second. I want you to write three things that you could not live without. And be honest. For me, it's my family, my, my wife and my son, my ability to walk, and my mom. I would say my parents, but I've already lost my dad. But I, these, these are the three things that I hold nearest to me. What about you? Is it your family? Is it your spouse? Is it your friends? Is it your sports? Is it your job? Is it your, I don't know, your hair, your ability to speak, your ability to hear coffee, whatever. I don't know. Write down three things that you could not live life without. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to give you some time to think about that, because today we're still going to have a time of decision. We're still going to have some time to talk with God, but it's going to look different, okay? We're not going to stand. We're not going to sing. We're going to reflect. I want you to take that list of those three things. I want you to pray through those, talk to God about them, confess them, do whatever you need to do. Then as you're praying, I want you to take whatever pen or the backspace and delete each item at a time. If it's your spouse, pray through it, cross them out. If it's your dog, cross it out. Cross it out. Cross it out. Then at the very end, I want you to write one thing. Right below everything that you just crossed out or you just deleted, write the word Jesus. And if you can't write the word Jesus, if you know you don't follow him, you know he can't satisfy your life, come talk with me. Come talk with somebody about that. We can help give you the life that you were designed to live for, the purpose that God gave you to have, the mission God gave you. We can help you find that. Now, I can't give it to you, but I can lead you to the one who can. Go to the bread of life. Take a couple minutes. When I give this time, don't look around. Don't look at other people's list. Inspect your list. Look at what you put in place of Jesus. Figure out what to do and who really is on your throne. Take just a couple minutes.